When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Managing editor Ira Chauffel and senior writer Corey Clark. Your weekly dose of all things FSU, pistols and pies starts right now. Here's Jeff Cameron. The Seminole Headlines begins right now. 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chant TV. Great to be with you. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Check it out. You can't see before I bring in the boys. Well, Ira and Corey are there on screen if you're watching. Damn, damn it. This is this is difficult, guys. Here we go. There you go. There's, there's the headline shirt. One of it. them. You can see the back. A little, little gay sausage action that works out well. We've got a different one for each time. Uh, we'll talk about it more. Corey, you got yours on? I don't, man. I don't. I haven't, Ira hasn't given it to me yet. That's But that's my bad because I'm not in town. That's I'll, accurate. I'll have it for uh, next week's show. All right, so there's Ira and Corey. They're both here. We've we've made a different arrangement, different look today, just because of microphone issues that we've been dealing with for too damn long. But we're, we're we got it. We got it worked out. It's gonna be all right. We're here together, and we should say, "Yay, sausage!" And thank our friends at Register Sausage to start the day. Ira, you want to take over and I promote away, baby? I thought you were just going to sh- show the shirt. Just let it be implied. Well, I guess that's only for the YouTube audience. The that podcast listeners and yeah, the yeah, 93.3 listeners wouldn't be able to see the, no, not at the all. A sausage. That's a top seller, by the way, of the, of the new yeah, shirts sausages. we've got. Yeah, uh, sausages. No, it's a fun one. It's you, fun. Yeah, you created a phenomenon. Um, Quite by accident. But uh, Register Sausage is, uh, they've got a promo going, guys. A special promo there just launched today. If you go to registermeats.com is the website. The promo code is BUNLENGTH. <laughs> all, all caps. Got that, Corey? Bun length. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, length. Length isn't the easiest word to spell either. I've always struggled with length. Bun length. Again, all one word. Spelling. All caps. And you'll get $10 off of your order online. And uh, you should do that. If you, Unless you're in the area, you can go to your local grocery store at Publix. Walmart's, Winn-Dixie's, a bunch of different stores have them. If they don't have them, complain. And then, uh, But if you're outside of the region, outside the southeast, they're, although they may be coming to you soon, Unless you're in Alaska, mm. uh, but you can order it online and use that promo code BUNLENGTH. L-E-N-G-T-H. Correct. Mm. Corey Link. struggles with the word, but I'll just yeah. throw it out there pretty easily. Uh, so there it is, BUNLENGTH. And by the way, Ira, how can they get this shirt, amongst others, that will show off throughout the show today? There you go. The shirts are available uh, at uh, SeminoleHeadlines.Shopify.com. Not stop, uh, Spotify is what I said no, last no, week. No, no, Just keep it simple. Shopify. SeminoleHeadlines.Shopify.com. And uh, you know, we tweeted out the link as well. It's on my Twitter bio if you find it. And, uh, yeah, man, there, we're uh, shipping out the first ones uh, here any day uh, that people ordered last week. So appreciate it. Thanks for everybody for uh, who ordered them and checked out the website. We appreciate it. All right. So what's, uh, what's with the square next to me? I think we're going to fix that, too. I think that gets removed okay. uh, at some point. Uh, it's just a, it's like a the, it should, we should put the magic eight ball there. 
and have it just yeah. give our fortunes every. I like that. It's the vo- you can tell as we talk. It, it lights up. It's just monitoring the uh, the voices here. So it, I, I don't okay. know. It's cool. It's a cool little feature. <laughs> it's the uh, it's the uh, spy balloon. Yeah, they're in focus. Shoot that thing down. It's just over monitoring Yukon, us over Montana and <laughs> Alaska. Forget it. It's everywhere these days. Uh, the camera has to be here, or you and YouTube can't hear audio. That's what that is to answer okay. your question, Corey. I'm glad you drew All attention right. to it, though. Um, oh, now, now, I think I was asking the question that a lot of people were wondering. Bun length. Bun length is the special <laughs> promo code, everybody. It's bun length. Uh, and there's right. nothing wrong with bun length. No, nothing. It's great. So I want to I want to say this. You were on the road representing War Chant, you and Aslan covering for us. Uh, Corey and I were chilling at the house last night, just hanging out. Glad that you guys drew the assignment. I just got done talking to Mike Norvell, so it was your turn. Uh, what did he have to say over in Pensacola and how hyped were everybody? That's uh, that Corey and I did this trip a year ago, had a real good time. He got stinking drunk. I had to carry him back mm. to the car. But other than that, it was great. That's why they won't let him back, actually. <laughs> the Escambia yeah. County authorities have they let it be gave known. Us, gave us a year off. Corey Clark's and no I even longer. know the mayor now. Yeah. We're in good with the mayor, and True. they still won't allow me back. No, so just take the year off. Let it, let it, let it distance itself. Oh, let it die down. Yeah. And yeah. D.C. was there. D.C. was in, in the house with his daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mayor of uh, Pensacola is pretty cool getting to catch up with him, former war chant staffer, former really? war chant managing editor. Yeah, Man. and I really remember him most for getting screamed at by Jimbo in the hallway. In an uncomfortable moment where Once he was screamed down where everybody yeah. could watch it. It was great. It's come a long way since that moment. He's not the we've, only one. We've all been screamed yeah. down a few yeah. times by Jimbo. There it is. But, yeah. uh, no, it was cool. You know, this is the first time they've really been able to do this. You know, it was a staple under Coach Bowden, the, the spring booster tour. He would go out to all these communities and, and uh, spend time with the fans and, you know, maybe pick up some checks along the way from donations, from donors. and and uh, But mostly just kind of that engagement. That's kind of part of that barnstorming tour was kind of how – Florida State really built their popularity in the in the 70s and 80s. And then, you know, more recently, a lot of teams have don't do it anymore. A lot of coaches don't do it anymore. Uh, Jimbo did it some. Uh, then towards the end, kind of, you know. Didn't the, like it. The, just it wasn't – he didn't like the golf. Coach Bowden would do the golfing. Uh, Jimbo didn't like to do the golfing. So the, the, the complexion of the tour changed a lot. Then when Coach Tagger came in, there just wasn't a lot of excitement really after the first game. It's a toughie. And then, so it's been a while since it's been a coach who seems to really want to be out there and fans who are happy about the program. So it was cool, man. It felt like those old days where, you know, the fans are coming out in droves. They're happy. The coach is excited. The coach wants to be there. He took pictures with everybody. That's something that I think when Jimbo was here, I think they had to, it was limited to people that paid to paid extra yeah. to get some pictures, but uh, I think Coach Bowden used to take pictures with everybody. Mike Norvell took pictures with everybody. It was a cool event. And cool. they're going to have, uh, I think, nine or ten of them. Corey, you'll recall, and I know this is probably something that without question happened with uh, you and your father. My dad used to go to these things with Bowden when he traveled around and all across the state. And I remember going over to St. Pete with him when I was a little kid. And also uh, he had a buddy in Lake City, go over to Lake City, and Bowden would do the golf events there. I wonder if the, the benefits, obviously back then, uh, we know it, it helped grow the product, and, and Bowden became – and he was perfect for it. He was great in that venue. He was so affable and won people over, even those that were maybe neutral. Uh, but, and but, people would say that they would come – that was the only time they interacted with him. Yeah. And they'd come, and he would always remember them from years before. Or they'd see him somewhere else, like, oh, yeah, buddy, I remember seeing you in Lake City. Or even if it weren't true. He would say – he made him feel like that was absolutely <laughs> right. true. And yeah. yeah, that's smart. That's part of that charm. I wonder what – I'm just asking you this question, Corey. What do you think the benefit is now uh, of still being uh, in a situation where glad-handing could pay off long-term for Florida State because times have changed? 
isn't it just raising money? Like, isn't that what all these things are for? And you, uh, I mean, I know you want to rub elbows with the fans, but I think you're trying to, you know, elicit donations because those matter. Um, right, Ira? I mean, isn't that the, that's part the, of it, man? This, I think there are some of these events are going to be more geared towards that. This one was more for the general masses. I think they're doing some of both. They've got it's still good, even for the general masses, right? To come and say, Oh, I had a moment with Norvell, or I was here for an hour. I felt kind of special. I feel a part of the Florida State fan base. I feel part of the Florida State program. Here's $500, or here's a thousand dollars. Like, I think all that matters to kind of um, get in there. And speaking of uh, my dad going to those things with, with Bowden, I remember. 1991 specifically, you know, Florida State was going to start the year number one in the country um, for the second time in four years. And it was a ballroom full of people, like 500 people. I'm 16 years old. My dad stands up to ask a question. And I might have told this story already, but I am mortified. You know, you're a 16. You don't want to be embarrassed by your dad, especially in a room full of people. Um, he he stands up. They call because they're taking questions. It wasn't just him interrupting something to stand up and talk. But they're taking questions. I'm like, Dad, no, don't. you don't have to. He's like, you're going to like it, Turk, I promise. And then they call on him. Okay, yeah, the bald man in the back is how they identified him. Um, and my dad yelled out, what are the plans for a rap video this year? Because it was three <laughs> years after the Seminole rap. And literally, it got the biggest laugh of the night, which was really cool. That was a, like even Bobby laughed about it. And he's like, I'm not sure yet, but it's going to be a good one. I've been, I've, I've heard of working on it. But it's moments like that, that that was really cool going back to Bowden, just hearkening back to Bowden. You always felt like uh, he knew you or he you were part of something that was growing in the 80s when you went to those things. Right, Jeff? Like it wasn't what it became in the 90s and a little late 90s for sure. Yeah, I, I agree. The reason I brought it up, I, I knew you would have a story and, and I, too, went with my dad to some of these events. So I, I figure there's a lot of people out there listening who can relate to that. And times have changed. And I wonder uh, what is gleaned from something like that? You were there last night. But I do think that one of the areas in which Norvell has succeeded is connecting mm -hmm. and yeah. connecting to both players and connecting to fans. And it's vital. You know, even at even with Jimbo, there was a disconnect. Uh, he won. And so that, you know, it's the great deodorant, right? Winning is the great deodorant. And so there were a lot of people who didn't feel connected to Jimbo but appreciated his work ethic and his talents, and they won games. But it was easy to see when things broke down how it happened and why there were a lot of people who were kind of like, well, okay, so be it. We wish it hadn't happened. It's an ugly look. It's a, it's a stain on the reputation that he had created here. But I don't think a lot of people felt connected to him. Willie really wasn't here long enough for anybody to feel connected, and they didn't win. I think, I think that along the way in getting this program turned around, that one of the areas that he has succeeded greatly in, and it's going to benefit Florida State and him long term, is that he is connected with his passion and his ability to – I think illustrate that in a way that fans can relate to. Yeah, and I think from a, if if there is a part of it for an event like that that's more focused on on money, even it's more of a long term play. From the standpoint yeah. of, you know, maybe somebody comes to that event that hasn't been that connected to the program for the last five years or eight years. Yeah, but then they listen to this guy talk. They they see the the excitement they got. Maybe they were interested by what the team did last season. Then they go hear him talk, and now. One of the things they're doing, you know, when you come to these events, it's only, I think it was like 25 bucks to come. But when you come, then if you're not a booster, they're like, hey, you know, would you want to sign oh, up yeah, to be a booster? It's only $60. Well, now you're in the system and you're back at part of the program. I think Mike Norvell realizes that this program and this fan base, there has been a disconnect for a long time. Long time. Um, you go back to those years under Jimbo, once they stop winning at a high level, then the Willie years, then Mike's first two years. And uh, so I think it's a combination of all those things. But 
the other nice thing he's doing here, and again, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a trivial thing. You know, he's bringing players to these events. Like last night, they brought Darius Washington, who's from Pensacola, Azaria Thomas, who's from Niceville, uh, not too far down the road, and it's good for those players to, you know, be, get some exposure. They get to meet some fans and, and some friends that may end up being long term connections for them down the road. But it also, Mike Norvell wants them to understand who they're playing for. And ultimately, they're playing for themselves. They're playing for their teammates and all that. We get it. But it's good for them also to be exposed to that passion in a more personal level. So they got to hang out with fans and get you know direct conversations with fans. I think it's going to be good for these players when they go to Miami. Maybe it's Maurice Smith or, or Tatum Bethune. I mean, I think they're going to do that at all these events as well. And I, I don't think that's been as common in the past. It's smart. I think it's a smart thing to do, especially if you can come across certainly as genuine and you really do appreciate it. I think Mike gets that. Always really seemingly has, and uh, it's one of the area of strength. Every every coach, every person has strengths and weaknesses. An area of strength with Mike is certainly passion and, and being able to convey that uh, to this fan base, his players, and obviously the way they coach. And so I think that comes across well. Also, I think Mike knows, as does anybody in the modern game, uh, these are people that are going to be contributing in some fashion to whether or not you're able to compete in the NIL world. Uh, That's just the bottom line. I mean, you're going to have to continually raise funds. That part hasn't changed. Where the money goes changes some now, and how it's used changes quite a bit. But the ability to raise funds, and lots of them, is always going to be a big part of big-time college football and sustaining a level of elite play. Because now these days, you know, the money was always going somewhere to build a facility, to build the newest of the new, to, to recruit, whatever it might be. But it's going to be to pay the players. you got to have it. It's smart. It's smart now, too. You think about it when we were just talking. When was the last time Bowden was really relatable to a fan base? Early 90s, probably, maybe mid-90s. But, you know, by the time 2000 rolled around, he was 70-something years old. Now, that's not to say he wasn't kind. But you didn't feel maybe like you were talking to the guy that, oversaw the whole ship like he was the captain sure but you know mickey ran the defense and then jimbo came in and ran the offense and this is the guy that runs everything and willie wasn't here long enough to really relate or connect with the fans jimbo that's one of the last things he wanted to do you actually have a guy that seems to be a very good coach but also really does want to connect with the fans and is relatable and is connecting with them that that meant now he's no he's not as funny as bobby he's not as gregarious as bobby but he's relatable, and he'll sit there and talk to you and take a picture. Uh, that that matters too, man. I think that matters as you're trying to b- rebuild a program. The uh, the and of these events, so I think there's ten total, and I think maybe six or seven of them are these kind of for the masses. Last night they capped it at two fifty, and they sold out. They you know they literally could have had more people in there if they wanted to. Uh, but some of the other events are going to be for the Bowden Society, which is the people that are giving the bigger checks. It's not the hugest donors, but it's a, it's an initiative. Um, a little bit more select group and they'll be smaller groups, but uh, kind of, I think at donors houses, but so they're going to do both during this, you know, during these stops, part of it's going to be the goodwill, but part of it also will be, uh, you know, trying to get some big checks. I am what was the food like Ira? They had sliders. The like? uh, Can't go with sliders. We gave the uh, thumbs up. Aslan gave me the, the heads up that the chicken was not the best. So they had so pork you, and, yeah, and uh, the other sliders and, were the way to go. So, I, okay. I, I was just going to say, it wasn't fan- a sit down dinner. It was uh, just kind of like a buffet on the side. It was the the fan base hasn't had a chance to hear from Mike, uh, in at length other than you know re- recent interview I did and then a few times that he's talked. But now he's going to get this opportunity. So, on the heels of a ten and three season, yeah. it's a very different message, very different talking point, very different. Uh, I would think uh, mood in the room. 
for sure. And I thought two of the two of the big talking points I think he had were, and we've written about him on the site. People can find it at warchant.com, or you can watch the video on our YouTube channel. Um, but I think two of the big talking points were, one, you know, embracing the expectations, that they're not hiding from the expectations, and that, you know, he had a good line. I think probably his best line last night was, you know, look, nobody expected us to win crap last year, and we, we, we didn't let that bother us. So now that people are expecting us to do a lot, we're not going to let that bother us. We're focused on us now, just like we were last year. The other thing was talking about his contract. He said, you know, he made a point to say he wanted a long-term contract, that this is where he wants to be. I think that's good for what now, whether or not three years down the road, Jimmy Sexton's not holding Florida state up for more money, you know, whatever. But I think it was good for him. He clearly wanted to get that out that look, it's not by accident that this was to 2029. I want to be here. This is where I want to be. Well, I, I think that's true in general. It's one of the things that makes Florida State a destination job. I mean, there aren't that many places where you can win a national championship that has, that has proven it time and again. One of the important things about Jimbo Fisher winning a national championship, it was the one without Bobby Bowden. People needed to see that that could be done as well, and it is. And I think Florida State is a place that for coaches, you realize if things are operating to peak efficiency, as I like to say, and the money's right, well, you have a leg up on everybody because of where you are and the kinds of kids that you can recruit. So when you come from Memphis, yes, it's a huge step up, but one would think you'd want to be here so long as things are indeed operating at peak efficiency. So why wouldn't you want to be here? I mean, there are very few places. Now everybody's got a price, and I'm sure if somebody came in there and they were insane with SEC money and they decided to offer you $200 million, you, you might walk away from this very great place to be. But short of something like that, this is a absolutely, and you'd want to declare that from the mountaintops for recruiting purposes and otherwise, and donations and the like. Uh, you would want everybody to know that you want to be here. I thought something else he said that was interesting. Uh, before, I don't know if he mentioned it, Ira, during the actual you know speech to the people that were there. Was it a speech? Was he behind a podium? That was a, more of a – it turned into a speech a few times, but it was supposed to be a Q&A with Jeff Colhane. But uh, a few times oh, okay. he had to apologize to Jeff. It was kind of like you on Wake Up. He had to apologize to Jeff Colhane for talking for 10 minutes. I and, talk uh, too much, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you ask yourself, do people want to hear from me or Aslan? <laughs> and then you go from there. I mean, I, you know what I mean? Same thing with Mike. Yeah. He's like, I, Jeff's great, but do you want to hear from me or Jeff Colhane? I got to talk. It was a Q&A. Um, yeah, but, but so what he talked about before the, sh before the uh, event, right, was he talked about, I thought, those guys coming back. And that he told all those guys, this is going to be the hardest thing you've ever done when you come back. He's like, because I've been with them now for a year. So I know how to work him and how to work him hard. And he did say, and again, you never know. I don't think he's the guy that would coach speak, but he is so positive all the time. I don't know that if he wasn't seeing something he'd like, he would tell us. But he did say the guys, the, the leaders, the stars that are returning are his hardest workers and are really been working hard in the offseason and the, and the tour duty stuff and the, and the winter workouts. That's a good sign, right? Because that's the thing we want. That's the thing I wonder about maybe more than anything. It's just the mindset. Well, I like that, and one of the things he talked when he was talking about that, one of the things he said was when they had those conversations, when he's talking to Jared Verse and Jordan Travis and Trey Benson, all those guys about them wanting to come back, he said he made it clear to them, look, that's awesome, but the great thing is I'm going to push you harder than I've ever pushed you oh, yeah, because yeah. you're coming back for a reason. And I think that's a, it's, it's what you should say, but I believe it. It's also been the message to the transfer portal kids right. that uh, it's a great place to come and you'll have a wonderful opportunity. But, oh, by the way, I'm not telling you what you want to hear. I'm going to work your ass off and you'll be better because you came here. Seminole Headlines 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chant TV continues in a moment. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. 
From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Seminal Headlines returns now. Head to YouTube and search for War Chant TV today to catch the show live or on demand. Now, here's Jeff Cameron, Ira Chofel, and Corey Clark. Rolling on. Good to have you along. Thanks for joining us. Oh, by the way, here's here's a second version if you're watching on uh, YouTube, War Chant TV, I should say. There's a, there's another Seminal Headlines shirt uh, that you could order, which is Elite Headliner. There you go. Mm. This would be apt. Yeah. Yes, we will be shamelessly promoting these shirts throughout <laughs> the course of the show for the foreseeable future. We've got another one coming out of the next break as well. That was a fun was a fun topic, by the way. Thinking about uh, connecting to fans and players being out there connecting uh, with fans as well. I like. I it feels a little bit old school. Here it does. But so do you dismiss that? You know, I'm I like, don't. No, uh, I think it's great. And I think because a lot of people, I'm assuming some people listening to this, including maybe our co-host in Atlanta. Who might think, well, yeah, at the end of the day, just win. That's all. The, winning and ma- money is all that really matters. But I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like, especially for programs that that need to kind of get going and get support, I, I think it, it's there's. I think there's some positives to it more than just. And I and I think what happened after Jimbo from 16 to 17. I I don't I don't disagree with you, Ira. I I don't think it's just win at all costs. When things go south, like they did. And you haven't really reached out to the people that pay the bills. You've just said, oh, they'll come because we're winning. And then you stop winning. Well, that relationship is frayed a little bit. Uh, They don't feel like you care. Oh, now you care. Now you need money because you got to buy out a horrible hire you made. Now you need my help. But you couldn't come and talk to me for two hours like we've done for 30 years because the new guy didn't want to golf. You know what I mean? Like, I think this matters. I think reaching out to your fans all over the state and really all over. I don't know if they go. Atlanta, I assume they'll hit. Yep. I don't know if they'll hit any other cities in the South. But going all over the state, man, and, and um, trying to connect with your fan base and giving them a chance to see their head coach up close for a pretty minimal cost seems like a really good idea. I think a good way to stay connected to them. I think it's always a good idea no matter the line of work you're in. I mean, I, I got to imagine that everybody benefits from having a feeling of connection from those that you're asking money from. Or That's or- why we do the uh, corner pocket thing, you and I, man. That's a connection. Yeah, it's it's not solely because we want their money, Corey. But it's oh, no, certainly no, no. It's, <laughs> correct. I wasn't saying that. I'm just saying it's the relationship with our fans. Well, I, I just think anybody that you're asking to do to take away from their time to be a part of yours, such as listening, reading, watching, whatever it might be, or in the case of asking, actually asking for money, you owe it to those people uh, to connect with them in some way. You're servicing them on a daily basis in terms of the work that you do, but also in return, you're asking for their loyalty and their uh, continued support. And so I just think that that has to be a mutual relationship. That has to be mutually beneficial. And, yeah, winning – look, at the end of the day, you can be the nicest guy in the world and shake as many hands as you want to. If your writing sucks, if your show sucks, and if the team sucks, you know, none of these connections happen long-term. You're going to be replaced. But provided everything's equal, there's no reason not to connect uh, with those that are as passionate, or one would presume as passionate as you are about the job that you have. I mean, he he does strike me as genuine when you talk about caring about this place and really loving Florida State football. Now, that that's a different level of connection because obviously the fans, it's different. Most of them are alumni or supporters or whatever it might be, ticket uh, buyers. But 
he's on a daily basis on this campus working with the kids that make Florida State football what it is. But yeah. it's still a passion for the place. Yeah, and I'm not – and this is going to sound like I'm comparing and running down Jimbo, but when you talk about the the, the genuineness or the authenticity and, and whether or not that's there – Norvell at least does a good job of, of pretending he wants to be there if it's not where he wants to do. I mean, if you're a college football coach in 2023, I get it. I am. I can guarantee you there are things he'd probably rather be doing in terms of like, in terms of they, they had workouts at six o'clock this morning. Yeah, and then he had so to maybe be in Pensacola. So, so last evening, night he's yeah. in Pensacola. So you got to think he probably is thinking, man, it might. I might be at a better frame of mind tomorrow morning for that six a.m. workout if I don't go to Pensacola till uh, you know night and then have to come back to Tallahassee. So I'm sure there's there's a, there's a little bit of he wouldn't love to be doing it sometimes, but but when he's there, the fact that he's there for two hours, not checking his phone every two seconds, which is something Jimbo would do at those events, he was present. Which is also the actions of a child. Well, I never understood that. Like <laughs> when you're at an event for you, you're, yeah, they're there yeah, for yeah, yeah, you. You're not a teenager, man. This isn't you sitting with your parents begrudgingly over a bowl of whatever you ordered for re- at the restaurant. So you're there for your texting your buddy underneath the table. No, man, they're there for you. It's what a wonderful opportunity to not have to look at your phone as a grown-up. It's it's rare. It's wonderful. And so going, the reason I say that is not really to run him down, but it's, it's to illustrate Corey's point that even he went when he went to those events, he wasn't really present at a lot of them. Now, Jimbo, where he was really good is if you caught him at a gas station or at well, the, Dick at, at at a Hauser game, at yeah, game yeah, or something yeah, like that yeah. where he didn't feel like he was being paid to be there. He could be very engaging, and people had great relation, great interactions with him. But in those events, he was not very good. And then to Corey's point, when things go south, you don't have that relationship. Now you have people coming well, to knives the come out. Buddy. You have people coming to the coaches' show asking you where where's the loyal, loyalty? where's your loyalty? Yeah. Which I, you know, again, if you, so it's how you. Uh, I don't say how you play the game, but it's it's smart for Norvell to do this. Plus, I think he does enjoy it. He's a guy that he's always wanted this job. He's always wanted to be a coach on this level, particularly at this school. And I think he part of him enjoys it. Yeah, I would hope that you have a passion for what you do. That's a, yeah. another way of saying it. That uh, you know, I say this all the time. Those guys are paid handsomely. That's what the money's for. Sure. You, I mean, you got to go to Pensacola. You're going to have to go to Tampa. You're going to have to go down to Miami. You're going to have to go over wherever the booster clubs are. I mean, and oh by the way, if you're making eight million dollars, pretty easy thing to say yes to. But that's the thing. If you go <laughs> and you don't seem like you want to be there, you might as well not even go. I remember the first time I went with Jimbo, it was 2010, so it must have been his first one, his first tour in the summer. He was in Atlanta. And I remember the the event is going on, and I got like 20 minutes with him to talk or 15 minutes with him to talk. And the event's going on upstairs. He's downstairs in the basement, not wanting to like be seen at all until it was his time to go on. Um, and maybe Norvell's like that too, like keep me away until the event oh. actually starts. But the event actually was already going away on underneath are up above us. And I was talking to Jimbo below, but he, you know, he just wasn't approachable. He didn't, he didn't have a warm, come talk to me. I want to, I want to say, Hey, to you and your family. Um, and I haven't been to one of these with Norvell, so I can't comment on the differences, but I assume it's different. Uh, but also Jimbo won a national championship in 29 straight games. So Norvell still has some work to do, but he is, it would seem much better in this venue than Jimbo was. And, Quite, quite frankly, than Bowden was the last 10 years of his coaching career. Real like, quick. it has been a long time since you've had an engaged, youngish head coach that would would talk to the fan base like this. I'm going to take a hard right turn. I think we've vetted this well. We have. We and have. and, and I, I just want to bring this up because somebody brought it up in the chat, and I think it's interesting, and I hadn't followed up on it. I got asked 
very similar question in an email. Ira, Corey, maybe you guys have heard. Uh, I may have been out of the loop on this one. So, you know, future schedules for Florida State. Obviously, we know uh, at a conference this year, the big one is is LSU, always Florida, but but LSU to start the year. In 2024, Notre Dame's back on the schedule. Uh, they do they do play Memphis, uh, with Mike Norvell's old team, in 2024. 2025 is where it starts to get really uh, meaty uh, as Alabama is on the schedule. 2026, Alabama, Florida, and Notre Dame all on the schedule. They better be really good by the time they play that schedule. Uh, and then we get to 2027, where we add more uh, in the in terms of the weight of, of the schedule. Georgia Hunker is – Hunker down, Harry Dog. Yeah, Georgia mm-hmm. is, is slated to be on the schedule in 2027. And offensive coordinator Mike Bobo. And uh, we'll see if that's still – 2028 still there. at Georgia in, in Athens there is the schedule. All right, I won't go beyond that. But the point would be is there is – Sort of a buzz uh, around those games, not just because of the the, the high-profile nature of them, but also because, Ira, I'm hearing that those may not exist. They may not ever be played. Well, we I was going to say, what do you think the percentage is, Ira, that those games actually get played? Is it 50-50? It could be. I mean, yeah, nobody nobody knows for sure because of what the SEC's With scheduling is going to look like. Now they have Texas and Oklahoma. That's actually happening in, in, the, in the next year or two. And so, yeah, there's questions about whether or not they're going to have to scrap some of their non-conference uh, home and homes. I, you know, look, I, if you're, there are a lot of people around the Florida state football program who would not be upset at all. If, if some of those games got scrapped <laughs> Yeah, because man, that's, you know, I mean, in, I think Corey has been an advocate of not scheduling. He wasn't a big fan of Alabama in 2017. Um, no, I, I, I've, I've always said, and I know it pisses fans off and I get people angry at me all the time. Now, if you expanded 12 teams in a playoff, that's a little bit different right. argument. It, it, but before that, I'd be like, no, 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 you don't need to. You play Miami, you play Florida every year. You give me maybe one other tough game. That's it. I don't care if we beat the bejesus out of the other nine opponents. That's just fine. I'm trying to win national championships. Yeah, I'm looking for more Duquesnes yeah. and less <laughs> Alabamas. But that's me. That's how I schedule. That said, if you expand to a 12-team playoff, three lost teams are going to get in to a 12-team playoff. It's going to happen. If you're, like, in a rigorous schedule and you go or you go 10 and 2 or 9 and 3 and your losses are like two points on the road to LSU one to Alabama you know it can happen it's It's possible possible. so my my point would be if suffering losses weren't as penal because the field is expanded right right. with a 14 playoff it 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 doesn't seem to make sense no if it goes goes to 12 yeah yeah it goes to 12 you play Alabama Florida and in in Notre Dame in a given year which is what we're scheduled to do as soon as 2026 uh, you know, good luck. Probably not going to the playoff that year. Probably, <laughs> but but you you could you could see it. it it's it's doable if you're elite. You could maybe go ten and two and and find your way in there. You would if you went ten and two with that schedule. But, but what, I, I, know, I just worry that those games aren't going to be played. In the new landscape, what is the benefit of playing Georgia twice? What is the benefit of playing Georgia in the regular season? If you're good enough, you'll see them in the playoffs anyway. Well, well, you and know, you don't you don't if you if you beat Georgia, great. Um, that helps you get into the playoff. But if you're ten and two or eleven and one in the ACC without having beaten Georgia, you're still getting in the playoff. I think so. It really doesn't help you that much. Well, but you know, you, all this is cyclical. So Florida State started playing those neutral site games to, for money, and then everybody complained. Well, you cru- you, you ruined the, the home, local you ruined the home, the home schedule. Slate, yes, and so and not just those people. You just like I don't want to buy season tickets because yeah, I mean, so that's ultimately them, but also the fans who like coming to games feel like, well, this home schedule is nothing I want to come to. I'm not buying season tickets. Now my fall is not going to be filled with trips to Tallahassee that I usually like to do. I got so, a counter to that, though, Ira, real quick, right. because I just did it with Braves tickets. The main reason I bought Braves season tickets this year is so I would have access to the playoff tickets. 
so I don't have to spend crazy money to go to playoff games. I can spend face value. That Wouldn't that come into play with a 12-team playoff? If you get season tickets and your team hosts a playoff game, which four teams do, you get you get access to those to those tickets. Whether Georgia comes and plays in Doak or not, you get, say it's Southern Miss instead of Georgia. You buy those season tickets anyway with the hope that maybe you're hosting Georgia in December in a I, playoff game. I mean, that's possible. I'm not saying, but you asked why would you schedule a Georgia, and I'm saying yeah. the reason they did it is because people were mad because they didn't have any good home games. So they went out and scheduled some good home games. Yeah, if your goal is to come see exciting games in Tallahassee, uh, then, you know, the idea of having a Georgia on a home-and-home, home, like they're already pissed. I've been pissed since we scheduled the LSU home-and-home. Home. I, I love New Orleans. New Orleans is great. We had a great time. It was a lot of fun. But, man, this uh, that campus is awesome. Our campus is awesome. I would have loved a home-and-home. Home. I would have loved to have gone up to Baton Rouge. And yeah, I've it. covered college football yeah. in the southeast for over 20 years. Yeah. It's almost 30 years. And I've never been in that. I've never been in Stanford Stadium. I've never been to Georgia. I've never seen a game between the hedges. That would be cool. Yeah, yeah, no. It, it, you have two yeah. all-time programs, uh, great brands, everything else, passionate fan bases. Uh, I think it's awesome when big. I mean, how cool was it when Oklahoma was here? That was yeah. really, really cool. And Notre Dame comes. It, it always feels huge. I was in that stadium when USC was here, and and how cool that was. We've seen a lot of. Great moments. If you care about college football, the whole landscape of college football, yes, your favorite team happens to be Florida State. You do want to see the greats. You want to see Michigan come in. You want to see, you name it, Alabama come in. I, I prefer that much more than these one-offs up in Atlanta or Orlando. But or, what's going to happen now if the SEC is basically like, we're just going to play each other. That's all we care yep. about. We're just going to play each other. And then you've got the Big Ten who maybe could look into the same thing. Now you've got the ACC. Jim Phillips came out recently and told all the schools you they have to play. Yeah, yeah you got to play Power Fives. You got to stop playing group of five, smaller schools. You need to play Power Five teams when you're playing non-conference. Jim, do you know you represent well, the ACC? Well, but who's left? A lot of these teams cannot beat those group of five well, teams, let alone these Power Five teams. Stop it! Don't. Do that. <laughs> They're trying to schedule. That's all NC State does here. is play Troy to start the season. Yeah. Yeah. I, you but, know, yeah. part. But I hear what you're saying, Iron. I get it. Like, part of me is really, really excited. Clearly, about Florida State playing at Georgia. That would be awesome. Uh, yeah. Georgia coming to Tallahassee would be incredible. It'd be the, the energy in that stadium, whether Georgia's great or Florida State great, it doesn't matter. It's a cool new team in that stadium for the first time. But the other part of me is, man, I don't want to help the SEC at all. I don't want to give them another marquee game. They get enough. And if Georgia loses at Florida State, they will not get penalized nearly as much as if Florida State loses at Georgia because Georgia will then get to go beat Ole Miss and Kentucky and all these puffed up teams that are number nine in the country because they play in the SEC. They can go overcome a loss or two a lot easier than Florida State can. They're not playing the same sport. So welcoming Georgia to Tallahassee is awesome. It'll be a great Saturday. Same with Alabama. But the, the stakes aren't the same for the two teams. Alabama can lose that game. Well, if, you want, if you want, though, Corey, let's just change it up then. Let's say they were playing Oregon. Wouldn't you want that? I mean, you, you, that's I can see why fans would want yeah. that. You want an Oregon. Oh, yeah. you want, Oregon, yeah. Oregon mainly just because they're not in the SEC. Like, they're not one of the bullies that are trying to dominate the sport to where a, the ACC doesn't matter at all. They are trying to squash the ACC out of existence. And yet, oh, come come to Florida State. One of the marquee teams that's not in your conference, the one of two in the South, let, let's give you two more marquee games, or four more marquee games for your conference that doesn't need any more marquee games. But then at the same token, it's good for Florida State. Yeah, I was going to say, it goes both ways. Yeah, yeah. Some so, headlines. It's, it's a Corey Clark argument talking to himself. He's just yelling. 93.3 Real Talk Radio, Award Chant TV. <laughs> Back in a moment.
Seminal Headlines returns now. Head to YouTube and search for War Chant TV today to catch the show live or on demand. Now, here's Jeff Cameron, Ira Chofel, and Corey Clark. Rolling on, Seminal Headlines. Ira and I were just talking during the break. We'll bring this up. It's come up in the chat. Yes, we've all addressed it uh, both on this show and separately. What's happened with Florida State basketball this year? I'm sure we'll get some questions next hour with headliner questions, which is going to allow us to elaborate a little bit more than we will here. I do want to direct your attention. He won't do it, but I'll do it. Direct your attention to Ira's article from the other day on warchant.com. It's entitled, What Has Happened to FSU Basketball and What Comes Next? And we go through the timeline. He goes through the timeline there and how we arrived at where we are now, some 23 months later after COVID and, you know, Florida State was sitting on the precipice of being perhaps a one seed and certainly a team that was poised, I think, to make a run at at least the Final Four. You figure they would have gotten to stay in state for the first two games. They would. They also had that leadership, that team, that talent, uh, a bunch of NBA players, as you point out in the article. Um, and so Florida State had gone from winning 29 games then 26-5 and five and 16-4 and four in the ACC and being ACC champs to where they sit now, which is a disaster. Uh, the combined record inside the Tucker Center from 16 through 2021 was 76 and six. Uh, they lose every time they play in the Tucker Center now. I think uh, I think Corey has gone from. Uh, I'm judging Corey's stages of grief by our text, which uh, went from from denial. I think. Well, I don't even know if you had much denial, but then you kind of gone to anger. Um, your texts are a little angry these days. Yeah. And then uh, I don't know if you've got oh, your acceptance anger? yet. You're in a- I already went past anger. <laughs> I'm past anger. I've been- acceptance has happened. Makes me sad. But you know what? You know what my anger is, and I know you two agree with it and can relate. Is it's look, man? There were some bad breaks. The injuries last year were crazy. Um, they lost two important players this year. Um, I don't know that you can expect a transfer from the Ivy League to to keep you. You know, you know, maybe he's good for three wins. You're still you're still terrible. You're still not what you want to be, or you're not you're not approaching the NCAA tournament or chasing a championship. But I just don't like that. You know, a coaching staff. You have to figure out a way to work with what you have, and I think they've done a. I mean, I don't know how you could argue they've done a a, a really bad job at that. They are not awful coaches. Certainly, Leonard and Stan aren't. They, their history and their track record speak for itself. This year has not been a good coaching job. You don't. You can't just play the way you always play when you don't have the personnel that you normally have. That's fair. You can't just, I mean, you're, you're 323rd in the country out of 350 in scoring defense. And yet you have not changed your defense at all. Just, Hey, they're either going to make shots or miss them. What can you do? That's life. Right. I, I just, I haven't, I haven't liked that. Like they have gotten some bad breaks. Leonard is clearly a very good coach. Stan is a very good assistant coach. Um, they've, they've proven it, but this year you don't get a pass just because of what you've done in the past. They've had really good years where they've maximized their talent, this year, hey, they have not come close. Yeah, they whiffed on some kids. They haven't coached up the ones they do have. They've been right. bitten by the injury bug. The NCAA screwed them for half a season. There's a bunch of little things that all add up. But I don't think anybody would argue, and we're all obviously, uh, we, we've mentioned it before, and well-documented uh, uh, and, and impressed uh, by Leonard Hamilton's career, uh, not just here at Florida State, just in general, uh, and what he's done. But it doesn't mean we wouldn't criticize him. I think all of us at different points have said this has been a a sorry job. He's done a poor job this year, period. Now, I know that what people want, and this is with any coach, not just Leonard Hamilton, when things are going poorly, they want the coach uh, to sit up there at the dais and, and, and take a beating for 20 minutes. And coaches aren't going to do that. They still have to go and practice with these guys, coach these guys up, and try to get them prepared to play. 
Um, they're not going to fall on the sword for you the way that you want them to. They want you to apologize to everybody repeatedly. Coaches will accept responsibility. I think Ham has, has several times this year. He has. It's and my he's, fault. And he's been pretty open on a few different things. I mean, like saying that they weren't tough enough this well, past, definitely this past not, game. And that is a right. damning statement from a man right. who certainly – uh, he probably values teams and values right. that immensely. That is the most scathing indictment he has had yet is to admit they're not tough. And, and he even not. said, and he even said, he's like, that's something no coach wants to ever say. Oh, it's hurtful. And especially him. Because oh. he's not a coach that's just, let's run up and down and outscore you or whatever. I mean, it is about toughness and manhood. That's how he played when he was a young basketball player. Yeah. And it's how all of his teams have ever coached. That's what, that's the, the fabric, the fiber of his programs. So this is killing him. And that, I want to bring up one thing. Because I've seen this comment a lot, either after stories or in social media, whatever. People making the comment about how he doesn't seem that emotional in the postgame press conferences, that he seems tired. Like, I've heard people say, oh, he just seems, he's seeming older and tired now. My theory on this is this. That guy is sick to his stomach of what his program is right now. And I think it eats at him. And I think he doesn't know what he can say. Because at the end of the day, they've created this mess. I mean, they've had some bad fortune, as Corey said, and you, you said. It's well documented. But at the end of the day, they have created this situation. And I think every – when he made the comment, he said, I, you know, I asked him, you know, what do you – what you, are you already thinking about what you're going to do after the season? And he said, every available waking second. Yeah, because he's got to flip the roster. And but So he knows he's got to make changes. <laughs> And that's not that's not easy. Really he loves hard. those kids. Good luck with that. But he's got to have to. But at least you have the portal now. It's it is an option. It five, is. five years ago, it would have been much tougher to yeah. flip a roster yeah. pretty quickly. That has to happen now. And so, but I think this year is probably. I would bet it's probably been his most difficult year. And I think you see. I don't think what you see is tiredness. I think what you see is probably internal frustration and anger and not being able to say what he really wants to say. Yeah. And well, so and it's he's, a tough he's situation. always a guy that we, we, uh, we applaud him for this and always have, he really does care about those players yeah. and to say what he needs to say to, to explain this season to his fan base, he would have to make all some comments players. about players that yeah. he is, he is not going to do publicly. He's just not going to do it. We all know the comments that could be made. We all know the kids that have not played well and probably don't belong in a Florida State uniform and probably won't be back here next year. But hey, at the but end of the day, he's not going to come out and say that. But publicly. he brought them. There. I was going to say at the end yeah. of the day, they didn't sign themselves, so they yeah. have to take no, responsibility. No, but he, that's for that. why but he you're won't, right. That's yeah. why I'm saying he won't say he he won't he won't call them out publicly like right. some other coaches would. He even like hey, we just we just got a guy that can't catch in the middle of pain, or we got a guy that can't stay in front of anyone. He's not going to identify. Well, nor like should that, he, and, so. and and I think it's foolish for people to expect that he would do that. Right. Also, by the way, to your point, that's not exhaustion; that's devastation. It, it's, I agree, it's yeah. defeat. I mean, yeah. but you can't snap your fingers and make it go away. So there's nothing I can say up here at the dais today, say or do, or do today. So what's the point of me killing that kid? What's the point of me telling you this is a nightmare? It is a nightmare. It's self-evident. It's it's low-hanging fruit to point these things out. Everybody gets it. This is awful. The record tells you it's awful. Watch them play. It's terrible. All of it's terrible. <laughs> and here's the thing. If you want to see what the other side looks like, watch a Jim Beheim press conference because he mm. will roll every single player for everything that they don't do well. And I mean, it's just all out there. Now, it's just a different approach. I'm not saying that <laughs> one's right or one's wrong, but that's what Jim Beheim does. Leonard Hamilton does not do that. And people, are, I think, are mistaking that for resignation. I don't think it's resignation at all. I think he does want to fix it. We'll see if he can. But it's I, he hasn't conceded anything. 
don't you think the question, and we'll probably get this next hour and we'll talk about it next hour. I know we're coming up against it, the break, but w- the question that Ira wrote in the column that asked in the column, like what, what do you do after this year? If you're Michael Alford, what, what, what do you do going into next year? Do you, I mean, you're about to set the all time program record for losses in a season. There's almost no way they're going to avoid it. Uh, it's 21 is the, is the record. They, I, they have 18 right now. Uh, I can't imagine they're not going to get to 21, probably maybe, 22. Maybe skip, break. skip the ACC tournament. <laughs> yeah, maybe they just don't go to the ACC tournament. One magical week, gentlemen, uh, makes it all go away when they go on that historic run in the ACC tournament to get into the NCAA tournament. All well, they is still, forgiven. And then they win that. When they win all seven of those games, too, because they would be <laughs> in the play-in, I'm sure. But um, so, so, yeah, I just think that that that's the real issue here is what what to be done well what, I, I what is to be done it's a tough situation for michael alford first of all yeah. uh they're only a couple years removed from being really really good right so it's not like this has gone on like the last decade this this is they just were in the two- sweet 16 two years ago yeah, i was yeah. there i watched I, it with yeah, my own eyes that's what i'm saying and, this and isn't the, like and, and yeah and, and the year before that they could have won the national championship right yeah. If, yeah if not for COVID, right they did win the conference so th- there's all of that but I would say this is a precarious position because there is no ignoring the fact that it's going to take a ton of really hard work, and he will be 75 before they tip off next year. And I'm sorry, just by definition, as we age, it gets hard to have that energy, the same requisite energy that I think it's going to take to turn this around. And so you would look at that. You'd also say, is this a draw for him to bring in top-tier assistance right now? He's going to have to find a way, let's say, to make some changes on his staff, which is also very difficult for him to have to do. Um, and then if you're going to court these transfers that we know he has to bring in to get this turned around, well, how eager are they to come to a place that's going to win eight, nine games in a season? And of the players that can play even a little bit on your roster, how many of them decide to return next year in the wake of this disastrous season? So now you're Mike. You, can't, you don't really want to fire Leonard Hamilton, of course, at this, at this point. But you are looking at a dire set of circumstances. You're going to have a serious sit-down about what's the plan, Leonard, at the end of this season, because this isn't good enough. And Leonard would admit that, that this isn't good enough, that this is a disaster. How quickly can you get it turned around? How long does he still want to be here? What assistance are available to you? Uh, how many players are you going to bring in the transfer portal? Do we have the money to do that? It's not like Florida State basketball is supported in the same way that FSU football is. I'm talking about boosters and everything else. I don't know, man. I it, He... It may not be doable. I hope it is doable, but this is why you're paid a lot of money. Michael Alford's got to figure that out. Leonard Hamilton's got to figure that out. Yeah, and I think, you know, from on the one hand, I would say, I think most of us, even for most of this year, I've thought, felt, I felt like, look, man, it has, it's, it's a dip, it's a drop, it's precipitous, it's bad, but it was only two years ago that the program was riding high. But this season, winning eight games, I mean, this is not just bad. Oh, yeah, this no, this is, is off I mean, cliff. like Corey said, maybe the worst season in school history. The plane has crashed into the side of the So, mountain. So, but the good thing is, I do think, you know, and again, if you you laid it out perfectly. You nailed it. <laughs> I there tried there to are a lot quickly. of challenges, <laughs> but but I do think it's doable. I think he's got to make some tough decisions, though. I think he could do it, but he's got to make Now, get it to where it was, I don't know. Probably But not. get it back to decent, then you could live with that. I think that's possible. Hour number two, forthcoming headliner questions. Hang with us. Simple Headlines, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV.